It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, Perth, as we know, is the home of hockey in this country. It's where our national team is based uh, and with that, perhaps even because of it, Perth and WA uh, has been home to some of the best players this country has seen. And it's been a sport that we've excelled at uh, over many years. My guest in this episode hails from Margaret River and he's gone on to become a captain of the Australian men's team, the Kookaburras, of course. He's an Olympian, a Commonwealth Games gold medal winner, a World Cup winner. Uh, the list goes on. He's known to just about everyone as Moose. Uh, but for now, I'd better introduce him by his official name, Aaron Zalewski. Aaron, how are you? Hey, Jim. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. And thanks for having me in the, the studio today. It's a pleasure. Um, I've got to ask from the outset, Moose, um, is it a boring story? Is it because it kind of rhymes with Zalewski? Z- you know, Zalus, is that, is that, or is there a, a more colourful story to go with that? Oh, I mean, I get this question all the time. People often wonder, like, oh, where did that evolve yeah. from? And it they sounds think, like there yeah, should be a story to it. Definitely, it sounds like a story, but it's more, it was just, um, like most most nicknames, it was an evolution of, um, from Zalewski to Zeus, and yep. then to Spruce Moose, and just got shortened to Moose, and <laughs> for whatever reason, that was the one that stuck, and, and that's the one we're rolling yeah. with still. I, I, I suppose that the, the benchmark to a nickname, though, is whether your mum calls you Moose. I can... 100% guarantee that I do not get that nickname at all from my mum. Yeah. And very rarely from my wife. Yeah. Does your mum hate it? <laughs> no, I think she doesn't mind she's it. She's cool. Yeah, it. she's a pretty colourful character, yeah. so I think she, she doesn't yeah. mind it. Um, I know there's been a bit of a, a, a downtime, or at least, you know, the brakes put on travel um, for the national side, um, and you're about to set sail for the first time since the Olympics, um, heading over to New Zealand. Um, has it been a weird time to be in, a, in the Kookaburras camp? I would say like all athletes have probably struggled a little bit without having international competition or any competition for, for a lot of um, people last year. And it definitely has been a, a difficult time for us um, as a group because one of the one of the things certainly we've noticed over the, the last two-year period is that you don't get to express yourself or, or let out that competitive nature that we have against other oppositions more so now we're doing it against ourselves yep and um you know you see it in footy pre-seasons or um a lot of other sports that that can come to to a heads at times um Mm. so we are certainly sick of bashing each other and looking forward (laughs) to maybe bashing a few other nations (laughs) it is a pretty brutal sport isn't it when you go and actually see a game live you know sticks flying i mean the ball just traveling at extreme speed and it's a solid hard ball I think you get a real appreciation for just how rough hockey can be. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen a live game of hockey, come down and, and check it out. It's um, certainly something that I would encourage people to do. It's it's a fast sport. I think the game's over in 60 to 70 minutes, so it's, it's a really small package, yep. but a lot of action. 
yeah. um, very little breaks and, and the speed of the game now, especially with the, the facilities and the, the turfs that we use, it's, it's quite incredible and um, yeah. yeah, it's action packed. So um, let's, can we go back to your childhood? I mentioned at the outset there, you're a Margaret River boy, um, born and bred down there, Margaret River and, and, and tell us what life was like as a kid growing up in what is a pretty beautiful place. Yeah, it's funny. So um, both my parents are European yeah. and, and they had me. Uh, well, they both kind of moved over to Australia when they were quite young. Um, but um, I was born in Perth, moved down to Margaret River when I was two. So mum and dad were kind of st- still finding their feet. They wasn't, they weren't quite sure where they were going to land. And um, a job opportunity came up for dad down there and we moved down there. And um, yeah, I know they loved it. A childhood for me was amazing. Like I'm at the stage now where I'm starting to think about having a family. And yep. all I want to do is take that family down to Margaret River and yeah, right. let them have the experiences that I had growing up and the opportunity. Um I was a pretty sporty kid. Um, that's kind of where my passions lie um, as a person, but definitely as a kid. And, and I would go down to the sports field and do whatever it was. It was tennis, cricket, um, you know, tried my hand at footy, uh, BMX. I was bodyboarding, karate, like literally. Mum just said, do whatever <laughs> you want everything. and we will support you. Um, so I love that. But, yeah, naturally hockey was the sport that I was probably best at that, that you know, I fell into a little bit later down the track. But that was my childhood, down at yeah. the sports field. Um, yeah, quite often I would be covered in mud and, and mum would make me walk home. I couldn't get the, the car home. So, um, that was certainly an interesting time of life, but, um, I loved it down there. I had some really good friends growing up, um, that, you know, I'm not as close with anymore cause, um, we kind of drifted apart, but, um, you know, you can pretty much get up to whatever you want and get into trouble and, and not have too many consequences <laughs> in the country. It's certainly, just, yeah, yeah, not it's too much trouble. Like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, can we just go back a, another step though? you you mentioned your folks, um, both Europeans, Zalewski, would I be right in thinking maybe Polish? Yeah. Somewhere so, around there? Yeah, he's Polish background. My first yeah. name's Aaron, A-R-A-N, and that's from the Irish heritage, the Aaron Islands in Ireland. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they... So Irish and Polish. Yeah. What, what a, a combo. Yep. Yeah. Born in um, Australia. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but not necessarily two countries you'd associate with a strong hockey background, but I know your dad was right into hockey. Yeah, no, not at all. Um Dad actually came over on a boat when he was two, so really young. Yeah. So, I okay. mean, he, he's Polish heritage, but um, if you met the man, you'd probably say he's as sure. opera as they come. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he got into hockey really late in life, 18. Yeah. Um, but it's it's certainly a family, family-oriented family sport, um, and community is a really big part of hockey. So he fell in love with the sport, but he fell in love with the people, the community, um, and, and that kind of flowed through. Uh, mm. Our childhood, you know, I was always, I was always at the hockey fields. We have to travel like either 30 or an hour away to play like every, every weekend and train. So, um, we'd be in the car with, you know, six or seven other people piled mm. into the land cruise as it was and, um, heading up to hockey and, and the treat for us after a game was to, to head to Macca's and get a McChicken burger. <laughs> so that was something we looked forward to as a kid, but yeah, so, so that's where, um, you know, my love for the people as much as the sport yeah. came in as well. You mentioned that you had a crack at a lot of sports. Um, hockey seemed to be the one that you were best at. Um, because of the team dynamic, do you think, were you more of a team sports sort of person or, um, you know, did you get more out of that camaraderie in a, in a team than say a more solo sport, like, you know, karate or surfing or something like that? Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely love the team element of sports. That's why I still play team sport. Most of the sports that I played as a kid were team sports as well. I mean, you know, crickets and individual sporters kind of within a team environment and, mm. and tennis was as well, but I love playing doubles and, and mixed doubles and things. Um, I just loved the ability to 
come together as a group and then also not necessarily to be relied upon to do a certain thing. So I know in tennis, I used to get always frustrated when I wasn't playing that well. But in hockey, I didn't necessarily have that feeling because you could rely on other people or um, you could lean on them or you could support them when, when they weren't doing as well. So I, I certainly love that um, that element of sports. And you don't probably look at that so much as a kid. You're just mm. going down there and, yeah. and winning and losing together and having a good time and um, belting the ball at each other. And, um, yeah, that that's that's probably why I love team sports more so than the individual. And then I actually was thinking about this. Why, you know, why didn't it work out that, you know, why didn't I play an individual sport? Um, and I thought potentially I didn't have the, I think individual sports are really athletically biased and you have to have some really individually strong traits. And I thought I probably didn't have them as much as a lot of the other kids. And maybe that's why I fell into team sports and I could kind of use the dynamic to leverage mm. um, my skills more so than my individual athletic or yep. athletic ability. Yeah. Um, playing hockey in the Southwest, I mean, did you have good pitches to play on growing up or were they, you know, pretty, pretty rough grass-based hockey fields, for instance, as opposed to the, you know, the, the more slick um, AstroTurf? It certainly was a treat for us to play on the AstroTurf. Like, that's all we do now. Um, yeah. As a kid, though, it was on the grass. Like I said, I'd be covered in mud most Saturdays and Sundays. And um, I still probably use those skills that I learned on the grass field on, on the turf today. So a lot of the guys, they trap with their stick flat across the turf, like perpendicular. So um, there's a lot of surface area for them to trap. But I actually trap um, vertically, which is completely different. Because you had to navigate unpredictable bounce. Yeah, you navigate the bounce right. on the turf, on the grass, sorry. So, which is different to the turf. And yeah. Um, you know, I do cop a little bit of stick from the younger boys for that still, but uh, it works and, and it's just what I've stuck with. Yeah. So. Is it true that your, your dad, who was the sort of guy who, uh, you mentioned before, you know, having to travel to games and stuff, he, he bought a bus. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny story. He used to be story. the kind of the, the bus driver for some of your teammates. Yeah. We, I mean, we still have the bus in Margaret River now, but cause we didn't, we kind of lost, um, a little bit of our club rooms down in Margaret River because the game evolved and wasn't played on grass as much anymore. And we had to travel to uh, Bustleton and Bunbury to play on the, on the synthetic surfaces. Um, and we used to just pile in these land cruiser and six blokes would get in, they'd drive up to the game and, and, and a few beers on the way home or whatever. Um, and I think the club really loved that philosophy, that idea. And they thought, well, why don't we all go up together on the same bus? Um, and I remember I was going through probably a little bit of soul searching with what I was doing outside of hockey. I still had hockey, but I was at uni and I dropped out of my uni degree. And, um, it just so happened that it was the same time that dad decided to go over to Sydney and, and buy this bus. So we went <laughs> over, we flew over to Sydney, we purchased the bus and I remember driving it back. We so had dad. to drive the bus back yeah. across the Nullarbor. Yeah. So we wow. drove the, the, the bus across the Nullarbor. Um, and we just slept in it. We, um, you know, had a bit of camping gear and, and we used to cook our meals along the way. And we got about halfway back we were in streaky bay and i can't remember exactly what happened to the car but streaky bay is pretty much in the middle of nowhere or not near a major hub and we broke down for five days wow. me and my old man at streaky bay without any mode of transport for five days <laughs> hopefully enough food we had enough food i mean there's a pub there so we were pretty much eating oysters playing pinball <laughs> you know playing pool having a few beers and 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 just on repeat for five days brilliant yeah so they got the bus back to Margaret River eventually and um <laughs> Yeah, they still take it up now, you know. Yeah. Every every training, every every game and fantastic. Hasn't yeah. broken down? Oh, it's probably broken down heaps. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe twenty years old now. Yeah, right. 
Oh, good memories though. Mm, great yeah. memories, yeah. Um, let's take a break. After that, um, moving out of Margaret River and uh, and setting yourself up uh, in the city and setting yourself uh, on that path uh, to state and then national and then captaincy uh, of uh, Australia's men's hockey team, uh, the Kookaburras. Aaron Moose Zalewski is our special guest in this episode. Back with more of his story right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My guest in this episode uh, is a captain of the Australian men's hockey team, the Kookaburra, Aaron Zalewski, uh, a.k.a. Moose. Um, Aaron, from the uh, idyllic uh, upbringing childhood uh, in the southwest, you, as a teenager, ventured up to the to the big smoke uh, and became a boarder at Aquinas. What was that like? Was it a bit of a culture shock for you? Oh, yeah, it was massive culture shock. I remember coming <laughs> coming to Perth for the first day. Um, boarding school was interesting because your mum and dad are pretty much pillars in your life up until that age, or they certainly were for me. Um, and they drop you off at school and they drive off and you don't see them for mm. six weeks at a time. And yeah. that, that's What did pretty, that feel like? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, for me, it was like there's a bit of anxiety and excitement and mum and dad always give me a little bit of grief now because I never used to call as much as some of the other kids, you know, they'd be ringing home every day and I'm not going to lie. I didn't necessarily get homesick um, when I went to boarding school. It's probably why I enjoyed it um, so much, but I know it was really, it's a really challenging time for your parents in your life more so than you. Like they're letting go of um, their babies, their kid, Mm. and we're starting kind of the next journey of our life. Yeah. So how old were you when you came up to Perth? Um, So I came up to Perth, I think I was 12 or 13. Yeah. Yeah, I was mentioning to you you earlier off air that I just, there was a few things going on in Mark River that probably weren't aligning to the direction that I wanted to go in my life academically Mm. and sport wise. And and I was really lucky that my parents um, were successful in what they were doing. Dad had his own business that went quite well. And, um, that they gave me all the opportunity to go to Perth. Like a lot of kids don't get that opportunity, but they had the resources to be able to send me to school in Perth yeah. and, and open those doors. And, um, they were very supportive in me making the decision. It wasn't, yeah. you're going to boarding so school. So you were the one agitating for the move. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's probably a collection of both. Um, parents are smarter than we give them credit <laughs> for. So they could have been planting that seed, but in my head, I thought it was my yeah. decision. That's a big call though for a, you know, a, a kid of... 12 years old, um, to see, you know, that bigger picture and go, I think I need to remove myself from this environment. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree. And sport was probably the main driver for that. If, if I wanted to carve out a career in sport, which was always a dream that I had as a child, um, then I probably had to get to Perth and start competing with, um, a more competitive environment and kids my own age, um, Mm. in the country. One of the big benefits is that you get to compete against men at quite a young age, but you don't have that exposure to um, your same age group. Mm. So I feel like that was something that I needed to do um, as a kid. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, when did that dream first really take hold in you? The idea of it not being a hobby and something you're good at actually being your profession. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was just by chance or design, but dad grew up in Sydney. So when the Sydney Olympics came around in 2000, um, we headed back to his family home and, and went to a heap of hockey games and lots of other sports. And, um, I would have been nine years old then. Um, but just, just being over there when that was going on was, was truly inspiring that Sydney Olympics, I think 
one of was one of the most captivating Olympics that um, we've ever had, and having mm. it on home soil that probably ignited a dream for me to be a part of something that was you know really special or, or, or really big like the Olympic Games. Um, and then in year seven, probably another influential person in my life who was a teacher, um, but very much involved in the hockey club in Margaret was um, Mark Harrison, and he ran a whole term. Um, you know, based around the Olympics was, you know, I don't know how they do it now, but um, that was the theme for the the term. So that was um, when I was, that would have been ugh, just before I went to boarding school, but after the Olympics. So there was right. a couple of big um, moments there where they were kind of started to, started to light the fire uh, within yeah. me. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, if you're good at sport, uh, being in a in a, a school like Aquinas, it's a great place then to, to blossom, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. They were um, super encouraging um, for kids to go out and, and play sport, but they also got really, oh, it's hockey and footy. They got really good coaches in and, and people around the, the sports, uh, program to make sure that they were doing all they could for the kids in, in that capacity. Mm. Um, and they were really supportive of me going out to, to state hockey training and going out to, to play with the older Quinnians hockey club, like the boarding house when in the boarding house, um, it, it has an alarm on it between like 5am and 11pm. So no one can come and go. They just, slur. I don't know if they still do it, but they're monitoring kind of the kids, making sure they're just in their rooms at that time of day. And we used to train at Perth Hockey Stadium and before the alarm would go off. So every time I went to training, I would have to open the doors <laughs> and the alarm would go off and wake up all the kids. Um, <laughs> I bet so you that were was popular. pretty fun. I was so <laughs> off that. Oh, I just like to go about my business pretty yeah. quietly. And, and that was not, about yeah. that at all. You made your first uh, state senior side when you were 15, I think. Did that make you a bit of a local legend at school? Uh, that was my first junior state team. Junior I think. state, okay. Yep. The pathways definitely weren't um, as good as they are now. The pathways these days for all sorts of junior kids is amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in hockey, 15 was the first state team that they had. Yeah. Um, what was that like getting called up to represent WA? It's hard to look back on, on these moments and not necessarily thinking that was pivotal, but I think I was just looking forward to going away over interstate. Yeah. We were off to Melbourne, I think, on the 15s trip with a bunch bunch of other, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids, and I think we were just stoked to, yeah. to be on a, on a plane and, and, and yep. go to Melbourne. How good's this? Like, um, we're just enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you sort of then progress through, through school um, – did hockey start to sort of emerge as something you would do as your full-time job or did you have a sort of a more academically based backup plan just in case? <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I'm not like super intelligent, but I'm not dumb. <laughs> that wasn't where I was going with that. But, <laughs> uh, but hockey was uh, like, was in the forefront of my mind. Like I used to go to training before, or after school, like yeah. I was doing it six, seven, just lived and breathed. It. Like you're living yeah. and breathing it. And, and it happens to all sorts of kids. Like, but I still had a little bit of balance. Like I had my mates at school. Yeah. I was still playing cricket and some other sports at school. And then obviously there was academics. Like I certainly wanted to forge a career for myself and I wasn't, um, I still, I wasn't entirely sure what that was going to be for 10 or 12 years. Yeah. Like I've only just landed my first professional career this year and I'm 31. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that there was something there, what it was, I was still trying to navigate that and, yeah. and find that out. So yeah, I, I did want to make sure that there was a backup yeah. plan. I mean, tell us you're, you know, you're at the top of the sport here in Australia. What, what is it like? What is it? What does your week look like? What does a day in the life of, of a, a Kookaburra's captain look like? What do you do? We 
So like the Kookaburra has set up a really good program now for us to make sure that we do balance career and sport. And we say we're amateur, but we train like we're professional. Yeah. Um, but the thing that that requires is that we train outside of work hours mm. to give all the people in our program the opportunity to work and study and forge dual careers. So we do train quite early in the morning. So we train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday <clears throat> at six o'clock in the morning. Six a.m. Yeah, we're down at the pitch at six a.m. and wow. we train until about eight thirty. Recovery, coffee afterwards. You know, bit of bonding time with the boys. So that'll go till about nine o'clock. Um, then the guys are pretty much free to go and do whatever they want for their day. Um, so whether it's work, study, um, some guys have just been playing hockey in Europe, so they'll come back and probably head to the golf course or down the beach and mm. um, do whatever they want with their time. And then we also have a couple of weight sessions in the afternoon. So Monday and Wednesday we do weight, so we have a double double sessions those days. And at the moment, it's not a um, June Olympic year. We probably wouldn't associate ourselves with our club teams, but at the moment we're – really invested with our local community clubs. So I'm still a member at the Old Aquinians Hockey Club. So we'll be down there playing um, club hockey on the weekend with with them and and, and just um, continuing to have a good relationship with our clubs. Yep. So those things, that's our main physical sessions for the week. At the moment, we don't, don't necessarily do uh, tactical sessions, which I would say would be like um, review and, and planning phases of um, performance. But those will start to ramp up as we go on tour. Yep. And there are some of the learnings that we've missed out on not being able to travel mm. and go away as a team. All that reviewing and all that planning that, that you do when you're on tour, like the videos, the strategy sessions, the game plan, those sort of things, um, we don't do as much when we're in our daily training environment. Yeah. Um, can we go back to 2011? You make your international debut. Um as it happened uh, here in, in Western Australia, which must have been a great thrill for you to do it in, fr in front of a home crowd. Um, you're playing against India, one of the powerhouses, um, and you score. Was that just a, a dream come true day for you? It's funny when you make your debut. Well, I was so young. I think I was 21. Yeah. And that's quite young for hockey players to make their debut for the national team. Yeah. It kind of felt like it came out of the blue. Like, you know, Rick gave me a call, you're going to make it a debut. I was like, what? Where did this come from? Like, I wasn't expecting this. When you say Rick, you're talking Rick Charles. Yeah, Rick, sorry, yeah. Rick the Charles. Rick, the coach <laughs> Legendary the coach. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I went down to Bunbury. We played in Bunbury, really close to home. Yeah. And like I was mentioning before, we have that, you know, we were reviewing India the, the day before we played them. And they were playing Pakistan. So it was a three nations tour, Pakistan, India, and Australia. And we went down to watch India and Pakistan play. And just before the end of the game, obviously there's, there was, it was quite fiery. There's quite a history between India and Pakistan, not on the sporting field, but mm, um, mm. Yeah, politically. And just before the end of the game, they got into a tussle. Um, one of the Indian hockey players got hit in the mouth with a stick. His tooth fell out into the ground and we could see him all pick his tooth up, walk back to the bench. And wow. um, that kind of signified, you know, how serious the, yeah, the tussle yeah. was. The game got called off two or three minutes to go. They didn't even worry about finishing because it was, um, too out of hand. And I was thinking to myself, I've got to go out and play against these, these men yeah. tomorrow in my debut. Um, so to fair to say, I was, I was nervous about that. Yeah. Um, and then we got to the game and as you do, you sit around in the change room and, and we had quite a senior team at the time. Most of the guys had, you know, 150 cap players for the Kookaburras and the physio would go around the room and they would hand out, um, caffeine tablets to, mm. to get everyone G'd up for the game. And I was like, yeah, I'll have one, two, yeah, two. And I was sitting there and the physio asked me, oh, do you want some no-dos? And I said, 
Oh, so you yeah, guys have sure. been popping no-dos before a game. Yeah. yeah. So they have the caffeine tab. So I just everyone else is doing it. So I thought I might have two myself. Um, so I remember, you know, I was fully jacked up. Like, I bet you, you, know, you Your debut, you don't even need to worry about, you know, any kind of form yeah. enhancing. Um, yeah, so I remember just running out there and the whole first half was a blur, like yeah. absolute blur. Um, and probably scoring the goal was a blur too, but. Um, so amazing to have family and friends and a lot of the people that have been instrumental in um, me growing up and, and me as a person were, were there to watch me, which was um, very yeah, special. Incredible. Um, we'll get into more of your uh, your successes as a player right after we take a break, including uh, Commonwealth Games, World Cup, uh, Olympics in 2016 and then the 20, well, slash 21, uh, Tokyo Olympics as well. Aaron Musaluski is our special guest in Inspiring Stories. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, Aaron Zalewski is our special guest, a.k.a. Moose. Um, Aaron, from your debut in 2011 uh, as, a, as a pretty young player, 21 years old, uh, and scoring on debut, um, was it like a, a a drug from that point? You know, being in the national side and being a, a part of the very very top tier of of hockey. Did you just want more and more and more of it? Definitely, yeah. It was it was one of those things where it, they give you a little bit, and yeah. you just want to take a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's there's so many defining moments in your career, but like there's been other moments like that where I've been like, this isn't enough. I need more. Um, and that certainly happened in 2011 because, um, it was the, the Olympic year next year, 2012. And I didn't get picked in the national team that, that year. Obviously mm. there was such a strong team, um, in 2012, they just won the world cup in 2010. Um, you know, Rick was still in his tenure and we had a, a little training group that would train with each other and play against the Olympic team in 2012. Um, and that, that certainly lit a fire within that little group to make sure that we would go on and, and be a part of that team, you know, yep. at least after the Olympics. Yep. And then, yeah, sure enough, I was lucky enough to, to make my debut for the Kookaburras national team. And the, and it was that the AIS back then yep. um, in 2013. Yep. Um, you've represented Australia at, uh, you know, you've won a champions trophy, um, Commonwealth games. You've been at a couple of Olympics as well. What are the, the real standout moments for you? There's a couple of, really stand out moments for me. Hockey, we kind of have, the Olympics is definitely the pinnacle of our sport. The mm -hmm. World Cup would be a close second. Mm -hmm. um, and then begrudgingly, I say like the Commonwealth Games, we've got that this year is very important for us, but it definitely sits below those two major tournaments. So um, we won the, the the World Cup in 2014. Um, exceptional team. We went through undefeated. Um, I, you know, I don't think there was a game closer than, you know, two or three goals. We won the final 6-1, like, it was it was just one of those tournaments where the team just clicked and and everything, um, you know, went as swimmingly well as it as it could. So that was um, an exceptional tournament to be a part of. And as a young guy, just seeing you know how the team worked and and how it clicked and and what made the performance, um, you know, so significant. And then you know later down the track, there was a couple of other tournaments, and Holland's the the mecca for hockey in the world. Um, yeah. You know, I was lucky to live and play there for a season professionally in their local comp, but that's where they, they understand hockey. The fans get out. They all wear orange. Like it's, it's an amazing place to play hockey. 
Um, so we won a, a champions trophy in there in 2018, which I'll, I'll, I'll say that was kind of where the, the team that we currently have grew its belief from. Yeah. That was you beat Holland in the final, right? Um, I can't remember who we beat in the final. I'm pretty sure it was, it could have been India in the final. Right. But we played Holland during the tournament. Yeah. So champions trophy used to just play one and two. It was, um, the top of the table clash for the final. But yeah, that was, that was Sorry, we, in Holland. You beat, it was India. in Holland. Yeah. Yep. We beat. Thanks. Google. So that was a defining moment for our group, um, that we have at the moment just to, to grow belief. So I remember yeah. just thinking that was a, that was a really great tournament for us to win probably against a few odds, but not necessarily. We thought that within our group. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's been the Commonwealth games on home soil was amazing. Like yeah. the, the AOC or whoever <laughs> runs, the Commonwealth Games, they just did a spectacular event on the Gold Coast. Like, yeah. what a place to do yeah. a big competition like that. You know, mm. rest days at the beach, um, <laughs> amazing weather, you know, great crowds. All the, the the local family and friends were down there. So it was that was a special tournament for sure. Yeah. Um, going to somewhere like Holland where uh, hockey is kind of the sport, you know, outside of, of soccer, football, um, hockey is kind of – is a really dominant sport. Did it make you kind of – you know, hope and wish that one day it would have the same status here in Australia because you guys would be absolute rock stars in Holland, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm not going to lie; it's 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 weird. Yeah. You, when you when you're in Amsterdam and everyone's riding their bikes and they've got a hockey stick in their backpack, you're like, what What's going on here? Like, you know, yeah. why are so many people playing hockey? It's unusual for us um, as Australians to see that. Um, I don't know if we'll ever quite get the. Um, the, the buy-in for hockey in Australia that they do in Holland, but it's great to be over there and experience it. Mm. Like I think we've got a, a really big um, community of hockey players in Australia and, and the best thing about it is diverse. Kids, women, men, older people, like they can all play because it's a non-contact sport. It's a small field. Um, you know, there's on the Wednesdays, you know, you've got the guys with hip replacements playing. It's the guys with knee replacements. So <laughs> it is inclusive like that. And I think that's, that's the capacity where we can grow the sport in Australia. Yeah. Um, can we talk about, uh, your Olympic, uh, adventures, uh, 2016 in, in Rio was, was not a, a great time for, uh, Australian teams and Australian athletes generally it wasn't a great Olympics was it the Rio uh, Olympics, particularly, um, you know, some of our more fancied sports like hockey and, and swimming. Um, I think you ended up sixth uh, in in Rio. Um, 2020, I mean, it was a strange game. It's obviously being postponed because of COVID. And then that heartbreaking penalty shootout against Belgium in the finals. Can you talk us through your, this, the, the, the 2020 Olympics, the, the postponement, having to then, you know, keep the team together through what was a pretty uncertain time. And then, you know, reaching the final, but not quite getting that elusive goal. Talk us through all that. Yeah, a lot, of, lot to explain. Yeah, I, I yeah. still remember the day we were supposed to – we just played against Argentina here in Perth, and the next day we were flying out um, to Europe to, to do our – you know, it was the pre-Tokyo kind of training camp that we'd have in Europe against all the best teams in the world. And um, yeah. Batchy, our coach, got us in and said, guys, we're not going to Europe due to, you know, COVID circumstances over there. At, at what stage of 2020 would that have – It must have been, been mid to late May. Okay, yeah, so the, the, the pandemic was was on by then. It was yeah. on not so much here in Australia, but in Europe and, yeah. and, and across the world it was it was on, yeah. so to speak. Um, and we came into training the next week and um, pretty much the whole world was shutting down and we had a team meeting and um, a lot of other people – at that time I still remember just the – 
the sense that you really need to spend time with the people that you love, like your family, like that was really important at that stage of the pandemic. So we just said, we had a team meeting, so we don't want to come to training. We want everyone to go home and be with their families, get back to their home states and spend time there. So yeah, we, we decided to disband as a group and we all went back. Like I went to Margaret River for three months and, um, you know, was laboring with my old man, digging trenches and, um, <laughs> surfing, you know, as we saw famously in the news, um, and, and just kind of getting back to my roots a little bit and just trying to decompartmentalize what was going on. Just try to remove myself that we're not a hockey player now. We're just, um, just trying to go back to my river and just enjoy my time with my family. And then obviously things, things changed. We came back to Perth, but we still couldn't travel or play or train. And, um, you know, we probably had a fair bit of struggle through the back end of the year for motivation, for performance motivation, um, as a group, because, um, we were just bashing against each other. We didn't mm. really have a reason to to get up and, and you know, peak and trough for tournaments, so to speak. And then we were kind of going through that same similar phase in 2021 in the lead up to the Olympics. We didn't have any competition. And there were so many questions about whether the games, you know, could or should go ahead too, right? Certainly. And, and you know, when you don't have competition for a year, especially in our sport, guys were starting to you know, use their time and resources for other things, whether yeah. it's work, study, you know, joining golf clubs or, you know, whatever, um, interests that, that spark the guys. But so a lot of our time and energy was going into things outside of hockey at this stage. And, um, we had a really, really defining moment kind of line in the sand where we, we got together, um, as a team and we just said, we don't want this to be the COVID Olympics. I can imagine going and, and not performing as, as you would have liked, um, and just saying, oh, it's all right, because, you know, it was COVID and we didn't have any competition. Um, so we we made a, a choice then that, you know, we still wanted to go and try and win the Olympics mm. and not have that excuse that, you know, we didn't have competition or um, we couldn't do this because of COVID or, you know, so, you know, that was that was a critical part of the lead up to the Olympics, like that defining moment to make sure that um, we were all on the right track. And I mentioned earlier that in 2018, we had that, um, that win in Champions Trophy that gave the team belief. Yep. So we th- we really felt that we were, um, you know, one of, if not the best team in the world, or at least we had the capability to win. So we went into that Olympics with, you know, wholehearted belief that we could win a gold medal. Um, and we went through the tournament, you know, with varied success. We had some challenges. Um, we got challenged in our first game against Japan, um, probably against what people would think, but um, they they threw up some threw up some challenges that we had to overcome, and and then we drew to Spain um, in the rain, rain, round games as well. One all, they scored, I think, after the siren or with one minute to go. Uh, we had to win a, a quarter final against Holland in shootouts, which was how we um, inevitably lost the the final. So yeah, we we went in probably with less preparation than any other team in the world, mm. just um, given how isolated Australia is and our inability to travel when most of the other teams were traveling and playing and competing. But we kind of leveraged our competitive advantage that we could, we could stay here. We weren't affected by COVID at all. We could train really hard in Perth against each other. And we kind of felt that that, that was going to be our competitive advantage for the Olympics. Yeah. You were part of the leadership group at that point. Was it a great responsibility being a part of that group and trying to keep everyone focused and motivated while so much was going on around them? Yeah, I think like Eddie is, and there's some, there's a lot of senior guys in the team now yeah. that, that have, that have played um, a considerable amount of hockey. So I think the, 
and certainly where we're going as a team now is that collective intelligence, how we leverage everyone in our group. So it's more so like Eddie and myself and, um, you know, Weddy Charts, Flynn, these senior guys kind of facilitating the growth of everyone within the group and leveraging mm. and valuing, you know, what they think, how they feel, what they're contributing to the group. So um, that was probably what, what we were just kind of discovering how the how the team felt at that time and we yep. were trying to put them on the right path to make sure, all right, guys, we're, we're going to do this. We believe we can do this. And they, like, we, everyone believed. Mm. Like, we were at that stage in our growth as a team that we, we felt like we should win. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, look, it's, <laughs> winning an Olympic silver medal is <laughs> is still a, a phenomenal achievement. Um, that final against Belgium, I mean, the whole country was, you know, watching and willing you on um, to that gold medal. Um, just on that day, though, the, the, the Belgian keeper was just an absolute beast, wasn't he? Yeah, he had a cracking game. Yeah. Think, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's interesting. We, like, we never kind of played in a game of that gravity before. And going into it, probably there was so much nerves at the Olympics. Like it just really heightens any expectation of performance that you have because you're in, in front of, you know, a global audience and mm -hmm. hockey's in the spotlight at the Olympics. Like it never has that, um, capacity in any other time during our tenure, but except for the Olympic games, potentially Commonwealth games as well. So like, I remember the guys would, like, we could barely eat. Mm. You know, coming into that final, you have <laughs> at the Olympics, you know, there's a massive food hall and we were there for three weeks. So our, cause our competition runs from the start all the way to the end of yep. the competition phase. Yeah. So we're eating at the dining hall, like four times, five times a day, the same food for three weeks. <laughs> like not only were we nervous and we didn't want to eat, but we'd been eating the same food for three weeks. So we were. Trying um, not to catch COVID as well while you're there. Yeah. Obviously yeah. trying not to catch COVID as well. So, um, that was a challenge. So yeah, it was, it was, um. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, but it was a very exciting time for the group too. Yeah. And again, as part of the leadership team, um, I, I'm guessing you would have had a role in uh, processing um, what was ultimately the disappointment um, of, of missing out just on that gold medal. Yeah, definitely. What we, was that like? Yeah, oh, mate, I couldn't explain to you what that, that feeling is like to become, to come so close to your dream, like so close to winning an Olympic gold medal and missing by the slightest of margins. Mm. And like I said before, it's not like we, you know, lucked into to getting into the gold medal match. Like we truly believe we were going to win. Um, and I reflected kind of on that. You do, you do a bit of soul searching after um, a moment like that in your life. And I was kind of, you know, looking back, you know, a few days later kind of on that moment. And for me, I said to the guys in the change room actually that it didn't change how I felt about, the group and it didn't change how I felt about the whole journey that we'd gone on. And it wasn't just the journey of that year. It was a four or five year growth journey. This, this team had gone on, um, to get to that moment. And like the, the outcome of winning a silver medal doesn't detract from any of that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because ultimately I felt like on the day, the hardest thing for me to accept was that a group of other 17 or 18 other people had beaten me and, my, or me and 17 or other 18 of, of us. I just couldn't accept that as a competitive person, that mm. they were better than us. Like yeah. I, I, I still struggled. I still <laughs> it was like, just their day, mate. Yeah. They're not better. Yeah. It was just their day. But it doesn't, <laughs> it didn't change, you know, who we are before or after or yeah. the, the, the journey that we'd been on, um, the camaraderie that we shared. So all those things I felt like that we still managed to achieve, like so much mm. achievement in that. Yeah. 
All right, we'll let that sit just for a moment. We'll take another break. Uh, this is Inspiring Stories. Aaron Zalewski is our special guest. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest in this episode is Moose Aaron Zalewski, uh, captain of the Kookaburras uh, men's Australian hockey side. Um, Aaron, outside of hockey, I've got to say, you seem like, I mean, when you, when you think of the quintessential sort of Margaret River dude, <laughs> you kind of fit that profile. <laughs> you seem pretty chilled, um, but you, you must have this incredible competitive drive in you as well. Are you one of those people that you cross the line and you just uh, not become a different person, but a different part of you just suddenly dominates who you are? Yeah, definitely. When I'm on the hockey field, probably do like transfer a little bit into a different person. Wrong word, but yeah, that, that certainly can happen. Um, but like, I'm, I like to think of my life, like, in different elements and I like to just be present with wherever I am at that time. Yeah. So if I'm on the hockey field, I'm playing hockey. Like I'm yep. switching, I'm in the zone. Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm out hanging out with my mates, then I'm, I'm in that zone. If I'm at work or going surfing, then I'm just enjoying myself, relaxing, trying not to think about hockey. Cause if you're thinking about, you know, hockey all the time, then that can be draining or if you, it's distracting as well. So I like mm. to just try and stay wherever I am at that time and just be present because I think that's important and, and hopefully that's helped me a little bit with yeah. longevity. I think I'm in my 10th or 11th year now in the program. So I think um, I have the luxury of saying that, you know, it's been a, a lengthy national career, yeah. international career. Yep. Yeah. Balance is always good. Um, surfing is a big outlet for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which again, I suppose fits with the Margaret River upbringing. How often do you get out on the, on the board? It really depends what phase we're going through, but um, you know, if we're not in a, in a busy phase, like I could go find myself out surfing three or four times a week, Yeah, right. especially when I wasn't working. Um, but now this year I've started, um, a career, professional career. So I don't have the luxury of time as much. I'll sneak down as to Margaret River as often as I can. And, and I'll take my boards down there and, and try and get a wave. Um, but you know, just at the moment, it'll just be on the weekends or mm. I might sneak out on a, on a Thursday morning, our day off and, yep. and try and get, get a wave. Yeah. So you've got a day job now. What's your day job? <laughs> yeah, first um first uh professional job, I guess. I'm working in the city at a at Deloitte, it's an accounting firm, but I'm I'm helping them with some consulting and um doing some it's change management or organizational transformation. Mm. Um I went down that track because I felt that hockey and business had a lot of crossover, a lot of cross pollination and I felt like I could contribute um somewhat in in this capacity and change is something that we go through in sport like it's just a part of sport because you can't, you can't remain static or you can't get complacent. You have to be keep evolving and changing. And I felt like I could, um, you know, impact that in, in the business world. Yeah. So is this you starting to think about life after hockey? Yeah, certainly. Transitional phase of my career. Yeah. yeah. I just, I got married a few years ago, two years ago now, and, um, just did a big five month trip after the Olympics away around Australia. And Brilliant. that was a, a metaphorical sign off from uh, freedom, so to speak. For me. And, and, and now we're looking at um, the more serious, more serious side of life. Yeah. Okay. Um, how many more years do you think you've got in you? Um, yeah, I'm not. And how's the body holding up? The body is, it's, it's had a few dramas over the last few years. I had a, a little bit of a hammy scare and an MCL scare last year. 
Um, had a calf injury this year, which a lot of a lot of people told me that that's an old man injury. So, um, no, my body does feel good. I have to be really diligent. Like I'm the kind of person who who looks at fast food and puts on a few kegs. So, um, I'm, I have to be really diligent with how about I go about my business and and making sure I'm I'm on top of things. Um, but yeah, I still feel good. Like this year, I haven't necessarily set myself a target, but I, I you know I'd like to stick around for for the next few years and and see how the team's going. Once I feel that they're outgrowing me, then I probably feel like that's the time to move on. After the, um, you know, the, the, the disappointment getting so close uh, in Tokyo, the 24 Olympics, is that very much on your horizon and perhaps the last opportunity for you to claim that elusive gold? Yeah, the, I mean, the team, I think, will be very, very strong then. We've yeah. managed to retain most of our players. The coaching staff still the same. The leadership, um, you know, I would say that the coaching staff along with the senior players is – um, heads up kind of the leadership of our group. And that's really similar to how it was um, for the last few years. And I think they do an incredible job of leading um, this group. And we're going through a little bit of change now with more responsibility being put on the players to make, um, you know, real-time decisions. And that's an exciting process to be a part of. Um, so we'll just see how how that that evolution goes because mm. um, it's certainly a change to, to where we were probably the last, the lead up to the Olympics anyway, where, um, you know, the, the coach intervention was, um, you know, significant. Like we have a lot of, um, you know, people that can make good decisions, but they had significant impact to, to how we were playing yeah. and on game day. Yeah. Um, again, outside of, uh, of, of strictly hockey, um, a couple of things that I, I have heard about you. Um, one is that you're, you're a massive coffee snob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True I'm, or false? Yeah, true. I would say definitely true. Yeah. Um, I've become less fussy the older I've got, but when you spend, you know, we spend weeks and weeks in India. Like I think I've spent nine to 12 months of my life in India right. where there is absolutely no coffee. Yeah. Um, Tea all the way there. I mean, they grow beans, but yet they can't make a good cup of joe. Um, <laughs> but I pretty much spent a lot of time in India perfecting my filter coffee and, and making sure that. Um, so you take your own little unit yeah, with you. Yeah. We take our own little grinders, our own little coffee makers and yeah. um, making sure that we're well caffeinated when we're on tour because, um, you know, it would get boring without it. Yeah. Also a bit of a meat snob. Bit yeah, of a, so bit of a steak snob. Love my Barbie. Um, yeah. you know, one of the Eddie, my, one of my good mates is really into his smoking and he kind of inspired me to get an old Weber kettle. Um, so I love, you know, cooking on that and cooking on my gas Weber. Um, but I generally like cooking. Like it's been a passion of mine probably since I realized that nutrition was really important for athletes, I thought, oh, I'm going to get it, get into this. And yeah. um, I've loved it since I started cooking. Yeah. And again, fitting with the kind of, you know, the Margaret River surfy profile, there's, there, there's been some suggestion that you dye your hair uh, <laughs> blonde before a big tournament as well. Is that uh, true or false? <laughs> lemon juice. You know, someone reckons they found, you know, lemon juice, pip, lemon yeah. pips in my hair. Uh, no, the more, the more I go surfing, the blonder my hair gets. So it's yeah. nearly falling out now. So it's very thin. It's easier to go blonde. That's the, that's the <laughs> trick. Um, on a more serious note, I mentioned at the very start of this chat that, you know, Perth is the, the home of hockey in this country. There's been some whisper lately that we might lose that mantle, that, uh, that, that the, you know, the elite home of hockey here in Perth might be relocated. Are you able to shed any light on that? Um, well, what I do know, and then I think it is pretty public that, uh, Hockey Australia went out to tender basically for the national program. So where that would yep. be based. Um, and in my opinion, like that's great. That's good. I think that's just them doing their due diligence to, um, what's best for Hockey Australia and the national team. Um, I do truly believe that it's best place is here. Mm. And, um, I think through this process, 
we'll we'll find that um, whether it's facilities or um, resources and funding, whatever more the WA community and government um, corporate sponsors bodies can contribute to the national program, I think they'll be on board. Like I know we've got a close affiliation with Curtin University, and I know they certainly want to keep us um, based there. So I think what it will do is we'll promote um, you know whoever's involved with the national body at the time to to do the best thing for the program and for Hockey Australia. Yeah. It's it's one of those things I think we've come to take for granted here in yeah. Perth, isn't it? That we will have the best players here and, you know, this will be the uh, the centre for the national team. So it would be a, a great shame to lose it as someone who is just purely, a you know, an observer of the sport. So, yeah, hopefully Perth does manage to hang on to it. Um, what about what about for you when you do eventually retire? I don't want to, you know, <laughs> jump the gun here, but yeah. are, we, are you going to be one of those people, do you think, who will just sort of, that's the finish line, that's my hockey life done, uh, and you move on to the next phase of your life, or do you think it will be a, a part of your life in some capacity, you know, for, for decades to come? I think certainly it will be part of my life in some capacity. At the moment I'm thinking that I really want to challenge myself in another space. Um, and for me, that'll be in my career at the moment. So I'm looking forward to the challenges that that offers outside of hockey. But I think like, I really do have a passion and love for the game. So I'll be there in some capacity, whether it's playing socially, coaching down in Margaret river or wherever mm. I end up, um, you know, driving I'm, the bus, driving the bus exactly <laughs> with my old man up to vets on a Thursday. Um, I'd still love to be involved in the game and, and I guess time will tell what, yeah. in what capacity. Well, congratulations uh, on everything you've you've achieved in your career so far and uh, good luck uh, in New Zealand and uh, good luck in, in a few years' time also at the 2024 Olympics. We'll all be right behind you, uh, urging you on to claim that elusive gold medal. So thank you so much uh, for coming in and sharing your story with us. Thanks, Tim. It was good. Great, yeah. to, great to chat. An absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6BR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.